What's good? What's good? It's Kerry Wood at C Wood on sports on Twitter and IG. That's where you can find me. And this is Ball About the South. It is a sports podcast that talks sports and we do it in an authentic Southern flavor. I want to thank you for coming in. This is the eighth episode. The eighth episode of the uh, Ball About the South podcast with C Wood. I am C Wood, of course. I didn't, uh, yeah, man, we're starting to move on up just a little bit. Uh, yeah, so we've got a lot of growing to do. I know it's still a work in progress, this podcast. There's some things I've, you know, kind of thinking about adding to it and things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to keep rolling. And I hope you're enjoying it. If you're enjoying it, uh, please let me know. Uh, whatever platform you're listening to it on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, I got it on TuneIn now. I don't know if many people listen to TuneIn. I put it on there anyway. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're just about uh, Google Podcasts as well. It's just about anywhere you can think of. So anywhere you can th- uh, listen to me and drop a comment. Uh, drop a rating. Hopefully, it'll be a five-star rating. But if it's not, I understand. There's no problem. But yeah, just let me know how you like the show, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and all those good things. But anyway, man, it's a lot to talk. To, a lot to talk about. I want to make this one as short as possible. The last couple episodes have been pretty long, and this is actually the second episode of this week. If you did not listen to my episode seven which is the 2021 NBA preview. You can still do so, of course. That podcast, that episode is up wherever you listen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we got pretty deep into both the Southeast and Southwest divisions in that in that episode. We talked a little bit here and there about some of the rest of the NBA. Obviously, we touched on Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. I uh, had a few thoughts about those situations. I uh, gave you a few of uh, my picks for the awards, season awards in the NBA this season. So, yeah, go ahead and check that out if you haven't already and let me know what you think about it. Uh, yeah, the NBA season got off to a rather interesting start last night. The Milwaukee Bucks um, getting their rings. That was a good thing, a good ceremony there. And then they put it on the Brooklyn Nets last night. How about that? And then the second game, the Los Angeles Lakers go down to defeat you know, against the Golden State Warriors. So good, you know, we've got a full slate here of basketball over the next couple of nights. So if you're an NBA, li- uh, NBA League Pass subscriber, you know, you're going to have some, uh, it should have a lot of fun the next couple of nights. I know that I am. My Houston Rockets will be on shortly. I'm uh, recording on Wednesday evening. Right now I'm actually watching a little bit of baseball. Houston Astros, and the Boston Red Sox. I don't know what it is about this series. I want to talk a little bit about uh, both the league championship series here in, in this first segment. Uh, <laughs> it's been blowout after blowout, basically, in in this series. The, the Astros getting the better of the, the Red Sox yesterday, last night, 9-2. to two. And that game was a 2-1 two to, two to one game going into eighth inning. And then the biggest small bat, well, the smallest big bat, Jose Altuve goes deep, ties it up at two. And then the Astros just go wild in the, in the top of the ninth, scoring seven runs and just putting the Red Sox away to tie that series at two games apiece. But the night before that, the Red Sox beat the Astros 12-3. to 
And they, uh, the Red Sox blew out the uh, Astros in game two as well there in Houston. So it's been totally the opposite of what we're seeing in the National League Championship Series. The Atlanta Braves walking off both nights in Atlanta, both games one and two, in dramatic fashion. I mean, just really fantastic ball games. I mean, this has been a fantastic series uh, for the Braves. I don't know if it's been really good for people <laughs> that have some heart issues or anything that are Braves or Dodgers fans, but yeah, man, it, it has been fantastic. Uh, first night, Saturday night, Austin Riley drives in Ozzy Albies. Braves win that game 3-2, to two, bottom of the ninth. Next night, uh, it's uh, the next night it was it was Eddie uh, Eddie Rosario, one of the new outfielders that came in for the Braves here in the middle of the season. He singles, drives in Dansby Swanson. The Braves win that game five to four, and you you know you're thinking like, man, here we go, okay, Braves up two nothing. That kind of you know that, that kind of ring a bell to you. Because the Braves were up three games to one yes, I mean last season, and obviously ended up blowing the series, losing the game, losing the series in seven games. So fast forward to last night, and the L.A. Dodgers, you go to the, get the Dodgers Stadium, the Braves, you know, Dodgers jump out actually two nothing in that game, first inning off of a home run. Then the Braves come back, take the lead, and they get four runs in the fourth. One in the fifth, take the lead five to two, and they hold that five to two lead all the way into the bottom of the eighth. And Cody Bellinger came up, tied the game up, and then a couple battles after that, Mookie Betts does his thing, singles the right into the right center field gap, and he puts the Dodgers on top six five. And there you go, that's the ball game. <laughs> uh, Kenley Jansen comes on to close it out. Dodgers win at 6-5, and they're back in the series. So we've got, in the National League series, we have basically all three games have been won by the home team in their final at bat. That is some, that is some exciting stuff, to say the least. It really is. The, some people that were not excited, though, were the Atlanta Braves fans last night. And I, I talked about them briefly uh, a couple of episodes ago, you know, basically saying, that, yeah, they're going to have some – they're not going to believe that the Braves are going to be able to win this series. They're going to be looking for something to go wrong for the Braves to blow this series or whatever. It, 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 it always does. We, like I said, you know, fans of, you know, they're in the state of Georgia, the city of Atlanta have really had a lot of heartbreak over the years when you talk about uh, teams trying to win a championship, whether it, was, whether it was the Braves back in the 90s, all the times that they – uh, break, well, actually, uh, 90s and early 2000s, all the times that they won the national their division in the National League and advanced to the NLCS and then, of course, to the World Series, they were only able to win that one time in 1995. Okay, and then you look at <laughs> you look at the the uh, the Hawks last year getting to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. The, the Hawks got to the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago. Could not get over the hump. And then, of course, 28-3. to 28-3, <laughs> the Falcons losing to Tom Brady and the Patriots 
there in the Super Bowl. And then there was second and 26. The Georgia Bulldogs losing to Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the Alabama Crimson Tide in the 2017 National Championship game. And we've seen it so many times. So Braves fans are just kind of programmed to <laughs> just look for the worst to happen. And last night, they kind of saw the worst to happen. And it, but it's not the worst when you sit there and think about it. Okay, I mean, I, I saw people in my timeline say, oh, shake my head, Braves. Shake my damn head, Braves. Are you kidding, Braves? <laughs> this is after Cody Bellinger and, and uh, uh, Mookie Betts tied the game and then uh, gave the Dodgers the lead. This was the type, you know, those are the tweets that I was seeing in my timeline from a lot of Braves fans that I follow. Uh, so, I mean, I follow quite a few of them because, look, I live here in, Al- in Birmingham, Alabama. There is no Major League Baseball team. So most people are Braves fans. I'm not a Braves fan. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. <laughs> I mean, have been for a long, for as long as I can remember just about. So, you know, and, I, I'm, and I'm sitting there looking at these tweets and I'm like, look, I mean, we're talking about an 88 team, an 88 win team in the Braves. They won 88 games. The Dodgers won 105. And be, to be absolutely honest with you, the Braves should not have been should not have home field advantage. That is one problem, and probably probably the only problem that I have with the Major League Baseball playoffs. They need to be seated. They need to be. Uh, it's it's ridiculous that the Dodgers had to play in a wild card game because they were only one game behind the San Francisco Giants, and then it's and it's ridiculous now that the Braves, who won 17 games less than the Dodgers, have home field advantage in the, in the league championship series. It's ridiculous. So, you know, I'm I'm I'm, the, I'm sitting there looking at these tweets, and I'm like. Okay, did did not did the Braves not win two games and they're finally back in Atlanta? Are the Braves not still up two games to one? I mean, look, and we just talked about the history of these teams in Atlanta and Georgia and they're in the the heartbreak that they've had in you know, in championship situations and everything. But I'm like, look now, come on man, it, this this series is far from over. It's not like it was an error or something of Bill Buckner, uh, Boston Red Sox versus New York Mets in 1986 World Series topic, type of error. It wasn't an error. It wasn't, uh, you know, a pass ball by the catcher from, you know, that, that uh, scored the run. It wasn't the pitcher didn't walk in a run. There, it wasn't a bad call by the umpire. Cody Bellinger is one of the best, obviously one of the the Dodgers' best bats. He had an offseason this year as far as batting average. He had a, he's had a lot of injuries. But still, Cody Bellinger is Cody Bellinger. Mookie Betts is Mookie Betts. And they just said, hey, they happened to win the game last night. So, I don't know. Brave fans, if y'all listen to me, get a grip. The series is far from over. I understand your grief last night, but you still lead the series 2-1. We'll see what happens tonight. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's really been exciting NLCS so far, and hopefully it will continue to be that way. Let's get quickly into the NFL, okay? And basically, I'm going to break it down like this. We're going to talk 
some Tennessee Titans right now. What a game that was Monday night. As you see what the title of this episode is, Titans fit the Bills. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to get into Titans just for a few minutes right here before I take my first break. After that, we're going to roll into the SEC. Man, a lot to talk about there. Coaching change, of course. We're going to get into that Alabama game against Mississippi State. I'm going to break that down. I'll let you know what I saw there. Uh, the Tide coming back with a nice victory after that loss to A&M. Uh, we're going to talk some AAC expansion. UAB, the team right here in town, University of Alabama, Birmingham involved in that. Uh, Conference USA, what's next for them? We'll, we'll kind of briefly chat about that. And, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the coaching change there in Baton Rouge. We're going to talk about another coach in Gainesville, Florida. That's gotta, he's got to uh, be careful here over the next few weeks. And then we're going to get back into the NFL later on, give you some picks for the week's games coming up in both the college ranks and NFL. We'll talk a little bit of HBCU as well, Jackson State. Huge crowd for their homecoming and a win over Alabama State. We'll kind of hit that up for a minute. And then we'll close it out after that. But let's get into the Tennessee Titans in this Monday night game against the Buffalo Bills. What a crazy game that was. It was a costly game in a lot of ways. A lot of injuries for the Titans. You saw Taylor Lewan go down. You saw uh, uh, Farley, the defensive back, go down for the, uh, for a minute there. He finally got a chance to actually get some playing time and, and gets injured. Uh, so the win over the Buffalo Bills, 34-31, didn't come without some consequences. But what a win it was. I mean, that stop by Jeffrey Simmons on the goal line there to basically end the game, stopping Josh Allen from getting that, you know, what, maybe half a yard at the most, was was epic. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is, is an absolute beast. We all We all know that. But that dude blew that play up. It was, I mean, he, he knew what was coming. I mean, he gambled. He, he gambled that he knew what was coming. And he, and he straight stuffed it. I mean, it was, it, was, it was beautiful. And it was one of those things. I was like, look. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at the game, and both these teams, neither one could stop the other, basically. No, neither defense could stop the other offense. So I'm like, look, we, can, we just got to get, get one stop. In actuality, we had to get two because when I say we had to get, you know, I'm a Titans fan, okay? So when I'm saying we had to get one stop, that was around, you know, down 31-24. And then we get the field goal, unfortunately. We didn't get the touchdown right there. We're kind of looking like, okay, yeah, it's not looking good now because we haven't stopped Buffalo. We haven't stopped them yet. So we're, we, we're off. Everything's kind of off, out of sync right now. We, you know, they will score a touchdown. We will score a touchdown. Okay, now we've got to figure out a way. We got to get a stop. Now we get that stop. Go down, score again. Oh man, there's no. I'm, I'm sitting there looking. There's no way we're gonna, not going to stop them from at least getting a field goal. There's no way. There's there's no way. <laughs> and uh, it, it just worked out. And I'm and I'm telling you, if if I'm McDermott, I'm, if I'm Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, I'm doing the exact same thing he did right there. Exact same thing. I don't know if I call the same play. I don't know if it's going to be Josh Allen 
uh, to uh, going left off tackle. You know, I'm not sure if it's going to be that call. But I'm going for it because, look, you know, well, I'll put it to you like this. The the games, obviously, we have had an overtime game every week so far in this season, which is insane. And the last few that I've seen, the last few games that I've seen, if I if I remember correctly, the team that won the toss and and got the ball first actually ended up losing. So, in some ways, you know what? I'm I don't know if winning the toss is necessarily the best thing all the time. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it puts a pressure on that offense. To, okay, you know what? We've got the ball. We kind of we kind of got to score a touchdown. Because we're going to give them back the ball. Well, if you know, we 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 at least have to drive. We have to you know make a few first downs, and then be able to punt and maybe back them up a little bit. We at least have to do that. I don't know. For some reason, I think it kind of puts a little bit of pressure on the offense. I don't know. I, I mean, let me know what you guys think about that on Twitter, in the comment section, or whatever. Let me know what y'all think. But. Um, in this case, though, neither defense was stopping the other. So I'm like, forget a coin toss. <laughs> you know, look, we're going for it. So, yeah, I'm McDermott. I totally, I 100% agreed with the call. They just didn't get it. It was, it was just a hell of a play by Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi State Bulldog. I mean, just blew it straight up. Titans win the game 34-31. And I want to give a shout-out. My dude, man, my man Mike Padden. This dude here from Nashville, Tennessee, his podcast is called Touring the AFC South. And obviously, we're sitting there talking about the Tennessee Titans, right? So, if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you're listening to this podcast, you absolutely need to listen to Mike Padden's Touring the AFC South. He usually, um, you know, puts his his episodes out around Wednesday or so every week. And this is a dude, he has uh, guests. Uh, and they talk, he talks a, a lot of different subjects, mostly pertaining to the AFC South. And it's, it's really, man, I, I think he really does a, a, a really excellent job with it. He has a lot of really interesting guests on his show. And I think you definitely should give him a listen. And it's pretty much... I think everywhere that you can find podcasts, Apple and all of that, Mike Patton's touring the AFC South, but he called it. He said Sunday the Tennessee Titans were going to beat the Buffalo Bills. And I said, I sent him a reply on that tweet. And I'm like, eh, okay. okay. <laughs> all right. If that's what you think. And I was like, I hope you're right. That's all I can say. So he called it. I mean, he called it and, uh, he was he was one hundred percent on the money on that one, but yeah, man, the Titans get it done. Huge victory to get to four and two. Now they get that two game lead back on the Indianapolis Colts, uh, who were winners on Sunday themselves. So that that was just huge. It was huge for the Titans to get that victory. Uh, the, you know, because look, the Bills I think widely looked at. As if, if, if not only the uh, best team in the AFC, some people think they could be the best team in football. Period. Obviously, the Arizona Cardinals will have something to say about that. But uh, yeah, Derrick Henry, humongous game again. 
I mean, this dude just keeps. <laughs> he had another stiff arm there. <laughs> yeah, this this magnificent ball game. Ryan Tannehill did just enough. Wasn't great, but he did just enough. Did not he didn't turn the ball over. There were a couple times he almost did, but um, whenever you get that that mixture, no turnovers, and Derrick Henry doing his thing, and the defense. With a depleted secondary right now, um, you know, whenever you can sit there and, and just make it, you know, the defense get stops. I mean, and, you know, well, they they take opportunities. They get they got an opportunistic interception there, or you know, a turnover or whatever, just just to get a stop when they need it. If if you if you just do that, I think this offense is good enough. We I think it proved it on on uh, Monday night. This offense can be explosive. This offense can be methodical and just moving the chains. They did both on Tuesday on Monday night, so it was a great game, huge win for the Titans. And uh, yeah, man, looking good. Who knows? Maybe this game, that victory over the Buffalo Bills, maybe that would be beneficial for Tennessee when come playoff time. All right, y'all. We're going to take a break right quick. We're going to get into college football. We're going to get into the SEC. Ed Orgeron out at LSU. Well, he will be out. We're going to talk some Dan Mullen. What about him down in Florida? Not looking good. We'll also talk Alabama Crimson Tide, that big win over Mississippi State. We'll talk all about that. Ball about the South. The eighth episode continues. Uh, we're back. Um, this segment, well, last segment, we touched on the Atlanta Braves and their uh, NLCS journey against the Dodgers as they are trying to do what they could not do last year and finish off the Dodgers and get to the World Series. And, uh, of course, we touched on the Tennessee Titans and that huge uh, victory over the Bills, 34-31 on Monday Night Football. And a really exciting game. So we... Kind of knocked that out in the first segment. So what we're gonna do here in this this coming segment right here, we're gonna get into college football, and obviously a lot going on when you're talking about. I mean, really nationally, of course, but just from the SEC standpoint as well. Uh, 
we're going to get into Alabama first, though. We're going to, like I said, I'm going to try to break down the Alabama game. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more extensively about the Crimson Tide here going forward. Uh, and then we're going to get into Ed Orgeron, and we're going to get into uh, <laughs> throwing mustard <laughs> in Knoxville, Tennessee. We'll talk about that for a little bit. We're also going to talk about Dan Mullen. I don't know if uh, that name has come up a lot after what happened Saturday afternoon in Baton Rouge as well. Anyway, let's get into the Alabama Crimson Tide, man. Um, Big-time win for the Tide, 49-9 to over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Really a good way to come back off of that Texas A&M loss, first loss of the season, first loss in really, I guess, uh, almost two years when you really look at it. And uh, just, you know, it's a crazy run this team is on, no matter how you look at it. But, uh, you know, they they got off to a kind of slow start. I mean, as far as, well, I can't really say it was a slow start because John Mitchie uh, caught his long touchdown pass on the first drive. But things kind of stagnated from there. And uh, the offense was, you know, kind of stagnant, to be honest with you throughout the uh, rest of the first half. But uh, they were able to get a touchdown there toward the end. Uh, they made it 21-3 to at the time. Mississippi State was able to score, uh, get a field goal to end the half. So they went in halftime 21-6. to For me, turning point of the game was, was Jordan Battle's interception in his pick six. I mean, that was back... When it was still seven to three, uh, thinking was just maybe it just barely gotten into the second quarter, or it might have been late first quarter when that happened. But for me, that was the turning point of the ball game. Uh, Mississippi State was struggling. Uh, obviously, he uh, their quarterback Will Will Rogers had been hit. Uh, Will Anderson and company. That's one thing about Alabama Saturday night. They were able to get a ton of pressure on Will Rogers, and they were doing it with basically three rush, you know, three people rushing, three, you know, rushing off the line, because they played defense the way just about everyone plays defense against Mississippi State. They had three down linemen, and they dropped eight. And you know, every now and then, of course, they would dial up a blitz, but that was how they played it. They played zone on the back end. And uh, Will Rogers had some success there early, but that rush was able to get there, and they got there plenty of times. <laughs> Will uh, Will Anderson had himself a ball game, but like I said, the Jordan Battle pick six to me, I, I thought sealed the deal right there. I mean, obviously, you couldn't say that it was going to seal the deal at the time that it happened. But I think if you look back and just kind of look back at the game itself, Mississippi State really didn't really did not. They never threatened Alabama after that. Okay, I mean they got a twenty-one-six, like I said, at half. But you know, twenty-eight to nine there in the third quarter after Alabama scored the touchdown, the quick touchdown coming out of halftime, they scored a field goal after that. But that was it. So. Mississippi State never threatened. They were never closer than seven to three down. 
So the, uh, Jordan Battle's interception and, and taking it back the distance down that right sideline was the difference in the game, in my opinion. So huge win for for Alabama. They were able to get the running game, but the running game was still going well. <laughs> there was a uh, exchange there. Uh, I think it was when they got their that second touchdown there right before halftime to make it 21 to three. There was a chance for Bill O'Brien to call a pass on the goal line. <laughs> Just like we talked about last week, a lot of people were upset calling for Bill O'Brien to be fired because he didn't run the ball on the goal line against Texas A&M. Well, apparently he was going to throw the ball again. Third down, third down and goal. I think it was what the three yard line, it sounds like from what Nick Saban said, he was going to throw the ball again. He came on. It was an interview uh, with the ESPN reporters, I guess, or whatever. And he was like, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but uh, you see we ran the ball. <laughs> so obviously the timeout was called and Bill O'Brien apparently was going to call a pass. But uh, Nick Saban said, oh, hell no. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, we're not. We're not throwing nothing right here. We're gonna run the ball. Brian Robinson Jr. gets the uh, touchdown. One of his two touchdowns of the night. You know, it was. This is about the worst performance. B. Rob Brian Robinson has had all year. Seventy-three yards rushing. <laughs> it was only on nineteen attempts, though. They didn't really need him that much, as Alabama was pretty much in control of throughout the football game. Even though the score was kind of. Things were a little murky in the first half, if you ask Alabama fans, because, look, you know, you you just came off of a loss and you're seeing the offense kind of struggle again. You just don't never know. But they came and took control in the third quarter, and that was that was the ball game. But, uh, yes, uh, I think the biggest things that I saw, the huge positive of John Mitchie. Uh, this was his biggest game of the year so far. Seven catches, 117 yards receiving. He had that one touchdown the uh, on the first drive of the game. Uh, that Those are the type numbers that we were expecting to see from John Mechie. Uh Jameson Williams has been huge. The transfer out of, out of Ohio State has obviously been Bryce Young's uh, best target. No question about that. But you need, he needed someone else to balance that out a little bit. And what about John Mitchie coming coming to the rescue with a huge game? I tell you what, there, there was another guy, Treshawn Holden. He's a true freshman. He had himself a ball game. He he. We're gonna get into some comments on t- that uh, we've seen on Twitter after the game uh, this past weekend from a Jai Hall. Okay, well Treshawn Holden also made. Uh, a couple of comments on Twitter, basically saying, "Oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad they finally gave me my shot." And you know, he's been kind of sitting, waiting patiently. Again, he's a true freshman, just uh, a Jai Hall, same same deal. I mean, this is part of that huge recruiting class of wide receivers that Alabama brought in this past this past recruiting class. And both of those guys have gotten limited playing time, and both of them, well, Trayshawn Holden's comments were a lot tamer than a Jai Hall's. But Treshawn Holden said, well, I'm, I'm glad they finally gave me my shot. And he took advantage of it. He had three receptions, 70 yards, and he had that touchdown where he 
uh, basically took a this kind of a little a quick slant pattern and took it to the house, 29 yards out. So that was huge. But let's get back to a Jai Hall. A Jai Hall to me looks like he is a definite big play wide receiver waiting to happen, and we've seen it. If you guys uh, follow Alabama at all, if you if you follow YouTubers that uh, you know whether it's the the actual beat writers or the people you know that are kind of in the know or whatever of Alabama football, we've seen we've seen the the highlights. We've seen it on Twitter. We've seen it where he's making spectacular catches, and we just knew that Ojai Hall was going to be in the rotation of, of wide receivers. Well. Nothing is. I mean, it's been not. It's not even been close to the case for Jai Hall. He's not been close to the field, according to Nick Saban. Uh, finally, we we've kind of heard some dialogue about that because we've been wondering. Fans of you know, of the Tide have been wondering where is a Jai Hall. Well, we kind of find out. We kind of found out over the last weekend or so uh, that basically. He's not doing all the things he needs to do off the field and on the field. I mean, and and in practice and all of that. So that's what, and and you know, and I kind of figured that was the case because look, Nick Saban has never been a guy, has never been a coach that sit there and sits his best players on the bench. Yeah, he's gonna obviously he's gonna uh, give a little more favor to guys that are ex- experienced. A you know. Basically, Slade Bolden, number 18, is you know, the slot receiver. This is a guy that a lot of Alabama fans don't want to see in the lineup because he had to drop against Florida. Uh, they want to see someone else a little bit more dynamic. And I get that. But, you know, look, I mean, this was obvious that there was something deeper here with the Jai Hall, what the reason why we haven't seen him on the field. I mean, we, we saw, we've seen Treshawn Holden on the field. We saw him in, in games earlier this season. He didn't make as much of an impact as he made Saturday night. But we've seen him on the field. We've seen very little, if any, of a Jai Hall. And this is the reason why. And so he goes out on Twitter and basically says he's about to leave the program. Or at least that's his, you know, that is what he's contemplating doing anyway. So not really sure the status of a Jai Hall right now. I mean, that dude looks like the real deal. I mean, just kind of looking at him, is he's uh, got a lot of good size on him and everything. Just kind of reminds you of a big-time wide receiver right now, maybe already in the, in the NFL when you sit there and look at him. And he makes those spectacular catches. He can climb the ladder and go make them and go get the football. So just a guy you can just throw the ball up to and he'll go get it. But he's not doing all the things he needs to do to get on the field. So we'll see how all that turns out. Uh, Bryce Young, man, 348 yards passing, 20 or 28. Seven, I mean, this dude just keeps rocking, man. He was sacked twice, but this dude keeps rocking. And right now uh, he's rocking toward at least being a Heisman finalist, if nothing else. If he's not going to win the Heisman, he's working on. he's working towards at least being in New York. So – Really excellent game offensively once they got things kind of going. The defense, maybe its best game so far, possibly. It's kind of hard to tell because it's Mississippi State. You look at Will Rogers throwing the ball 55 times in that game, 35 for 55. 
and obviously they you know the pass to run ratio is 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 ridiculous as it always is so you just wonder man you just wonder uh, how can Mississippi State really expect to you know have success against a good defense when you don't have um uh when 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 you don't have uh when when you're not spreading the wealth you know you you you're one dimensional throwing the ball fifty five times is not gonna win consistently in the s e c it's just not so anyway huge win for Alabama they get set for one of the big rivalries even though you know some people may not call it a rivalry right now I call it a rivalry because it's Tennessee okay. I mean, for me, as an Alabama fan, as long as I've been an Alabama fan, I hate Tennessee more than I do Auburn. And I, and I think I speak for a lot of Alabama fans when, we, when I say that. So, you know, the, the whole Phil Fulmer thing back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, all of that. Man, look here. I mean, I I, I do not like Tennessee. I was going to be real about it. <laughs> you know, I, and I, like I said, so it's a huge week regardless of the fact that Tennessee has not beaten Alabama. And I don't know. I, I, don't, I can't even keep up with how many years it's been now. But it's been be- since before Nick Saban became the head coach at Alabama. Uh, you look at Tennessee, uh Disappointing loss against Ole Miss. Very uh, kind of heartbreaking loss to, you know, to a degree. Kind of an embarrassing loss when you look at what happened with their fan base there in the, in Neyland Stadium. Throwing things, throwing really it seemed like whatever they could get their hands on. Mustard. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. The whole bottle of mustard. Okay. I, <laughs> I mean, I I have no clue. It was ugly. You know, they threw a golf ball at Lane Kiffin. Look, Tennessee fans have not gotten over Lane Kiffin for whatever reason. I, I'm not understanding why. I think what you saw from Tennessee on Saturday night from those fans, I think you saw a lot of frustration coming out. And it's been frustration of a of a fan of a program and a fan base that is is tired of you know ba- you know tired of losing that uh they're tired of you know being being toward the bottom of the SEC. I mean that that is the that is the facts right now. That's just where they are and it's, even though I, we've seen some improvement this season I you know I don't know if they're gonna, it's gonna be good enough for this this Tennessee fan base to look at it, you know, just the improvement being good enough for now, or because I think they're just so impatient right now, in which I, you know, in some, in, to a degree, I get it. I don't get it to the point where you're throwing stuff on the field, but I get the frustration. Okay, you know, and then you look up your biggest rival because uh, look, I understand how big the Florida rivalry was back in the Spurrier days and. You know, Spurrier and Fulmer and Manning and all the quarterbacks that came through Florida and, you know, and all that. I get how big that rivalry was back then, but that rivalry was never as big as the Alabama-Tennessee rivalry. Third Saturday in October, in my opinion, has always been bigger than that, except for maybe that, that time period 
that I'm speaking of. You know, the Spurrier, you know, the Spurrier area, area in Gainesville. Other than that, it's been Alabama is Tennessee's biggest rival. So to see them, to see Alabama have the success that they're having now, can't it cannot be a good thing for them right now. That's not that's not to make that's not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just saying I think that's what you saw on Saturday night. When um, you know, I can't say whether that was a bad call or not. It, it looked like he got the first down, in my opinion, at first. But then they kind of started replaying it, and I thought it was really, I thought it was really close. I, I, I thought it was too, uh, it was not conclusive enough for them to overturn it. And of course, they did not overturn it. Ole Miss ends up winning the game. Uh, the bigger deal for Tennessee in that game, out of that coming out of that game anyway, is Hendon Hooker's injury. Not really sure about his status right now. So, obviously, that is a big deal, to say the least. I mean, that 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 is a huge deal for them. He had that team rolling offensively, no question about that. So, now, if you're looking at Tennessee, you're looking at Joe Milton again being a quarterback. And Joe Milton made a huge mistake there. You know, we don't know if he's going to throw a touchdown there, but at least he should have thrown the ball on that last down. <laughs> instead of running out to three seconds, I, I he just kind of had a brain fart moment right there. I don't I don't know what he was thinking. Obviously, you know he it was just one of those things that happens to a young player like that. And uh, anyway, it could be Joe Milton starting this game. We'll see how that works. Uh, if Hendon Hooker's if Hendon Hooker is the quarterback and he's well, this dude brings a dynamic that could make this game kind of interesting for a while. Let's just be real about it because, again, we saw, I thought, a very focused Alabama team, especially on the defensive end of football against Mississippi State. But we saw the exact opposite of that against Texas A&M. So which Alabama team is going to show up? <laughs> you would think with the pressure of being number one, you know, that, you know, maybe that being lifted a little bit, you would think maybe that pressure is gone and they'll be able to go ahead and do what they're supposed to do. I don't know if you can count on that. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, I think Alabama's going to win the game. They're a 25-point favorite. There's nothing like that, but we'll see if, if they come out and handle business the way that they did, really, i say, in the second half against Mississippi, Mississippi State. That's the way Alabama should play. So we'll see how that goes. We'll talk about that game, of course, next week as we do our next episode. And, uh, man, the fans up there in Tennessee, that was a bad, bad look, I'm telling you. And the thing, but you know what, the thing that I don't like that I've seen basically all week, I don't like, especially all the SEC fan bases, including Alabama, coming out, oh, our fan base would never do that. <laughs> really. Really, your your fan base would never throw something on the field. Never. How do you know that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sitting there trying to vouch for the Tennessee fan base. Like I say, I'm not making any excuses for them. But I'm not going to sit here at all and sit there and think that a call like that goes against Alabama or a call like that goes against Georgia and think that, oh, it's going to be all lovey-dovey and, and, and everything's going to be all right. I just, I'm just not buying that necessarily. I'm not saying it's going to happen because, like I said, I think a lot of frustration – came out of a lot of Tennessee fans on that night. Obviously, you don't have a lot of frustration right now if you're an Alabama or Georgia fan. 
But I don't want to hear that. Oh, our fan base will never do that. Nah, I don't want to hear that, man. <laughs> you don't know what your fan base is going to do. Every fan base has some lunatics. That's just bottom line. So that's the part I've hated about, hated about this entire thing, to be perfectly honest with you. Anyway, man, let's move on. Let's talk. Let's get back on the field and let's talk that LSU-Florida game this past weekend. What the hell was that if you're a Florida Gator? Because I'm not even going to start with Ed Orgeron right now. The Ed Orgeron thing was pretty much we didn't I didn't know we didn't know it was going to happen like this. We didn't know it was going to happen this past weekend. But we knew it was going to happen. Right? We knew eventually this thing, this was going to happen to Ed Orgeron. So that's no surprise. But when you're sitting there talking about Dan Mullen, man, I, and this is a guy I'm not going to lie. I I've kind of uh, I've kind of backed up here in the past. And you know, to a certain degree, I'm not gonna sit here and, and totally ditch him. I'm not gonna, you know, just throw him through the wolves. But man, I'm gonna give you a couple stats: four and six in his last ten games. And then there's another coach that's six and four in his last ten games. The the coach that's six and four is Ed Orgeron. <laughs> the coach that is four and six is Dan Mullen. And you look at the four wins. One of them against one of them is, is against Florida Atlantic. One of them is, of them is against Vanderbilt. One is against uh, uh, South Florida. And I, I'm trying to think who the other one against. I don't have it in front of me. I thought I had it in front of me, but I don't. But trust me, it's not Alabama or it's not even Auburn. It's not even Ole Miss or anybody like that. <laughs> Those are the four wins out of the last ten. This dude has a horrible record against ranked teams, and um, and it just can, continues to get worse. I don't and in in basically, I you know I attributed a lot of that to his you know him being in at Mississippi State. Obviously, Mississippi State is not going to get all the same talent that an Alabama gets or an LSU gets or even an Auburn gets, for that matter. Okay, but you know this now it's starting to it's starting to get alarming. What's going on in Gainesville? And I understand that he has new quarterbacks. You know, he lost Kyle Trask. He lost the skilled players that went around Kyle Trask last year. They lost some other guys that went into the NFL draft. I get all of that. And you know, again, I, I I would say that he's short players right now, and I don't think I don't think the situation that he inherited was as good as some people might think it was. That's just my my opinion. I, I just never thought that the Jim McElwain hire was was good at all. I thought it was a terrible hire, and that's nothing against Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain was never going to get Florida to the heights that the Gator fans or, you know, we've seen from the Gators in recent years or recent, you know, you talk, you would look at what Urban Meyer did and you look at what Steve Spurrier did. Jim McElwain was never going to do that. And I think to a degree, I would say also that Dan Mullen would never do that. I just, for whatever reason, I just don't think Dan Mullen is a championship coach. Now, I think he can get you there. I think he can get you close 
We saw him get Mississippi State close with Dak Prescott and all that. He got close again last year. Uh, you know, of course, they lost to Alabama. But the biggest thing was that loss to LSU last year. This is the second consecutive loss to LSU, and these are probably the two worst LSU teams we've seen since before Nick Saban coached LSU. That ain't good. Okay? Everyone wants to, you know, kind of point at that shoe-throwing incident that basically gave away that game last season in Gainesville. But I'm going to go back before that. Forget the shoe-throwing. How about Dan Mullen says, okay, you know what? Kyle Pitts, I can't remember if Kadarius Tony played in that game, but Kyle Pitts did not play in that LSU game because he wanted to save them because the next week was the Alabama game in the SEC Championship in Atlanta. So he figured, oh, well, you know what? We don't need Kyle Pitts. We'll be good enough. Because, you know, Kyle Pitts was going through a little bit of an injury, okay? But... He, he he figured he had enough to win that game without Kyle Pitts. And you see what happened. Because, I mean, think of Florida that actually finished that game against Alabama. <laughs> and they sat there, and it, that was the second loss they had, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that LSU game last year. They If they had beaten Alabama, they would have thrown away a shot at the national championship. Those These are the kind of decisions that Dan Mullen is making. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's uh he's he's not he doesn't relate well with some of these recruits or whatever. The recruiting is is not where it needs to be. It it just is not. We don't this is not that talent of the Florida team we're looking at. I mean in when I say that, I mean in um comparison to past Florida teams like we saw with Urban Meyer and Spurrier. So, I don't know, man. You know, obviously the rumblings of Dan Mullen being on the hot seat are starting to really get loud now. I don't know if he's necessarily on the hot seat just yet. I think what probably will happen is they'll they'll want him to get rid of Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator. I think that would be an excellent, excellent move because this defense is horrible right now. They were trash on Saturday against LSU. So, yeah, two losses. To, to really, like I said, the worst LSU team we've seen in probably 20 years or more. Crazy. So, yeah, Dan Mullen's in trouble in games. Yeah. Uh, so, but then you look at Ed Orgeron, like I say, look, man, it, it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Uh, this is a guy that does not, you know, in addition to what we've seen on the field, in, in addition to what the uh, the things that we're not seeing on the field, cohesiveness with this coaching staff, and we're not seeing this team play really well. And, again, I understand they've gone through a lot of injuries as well. Derek Stingley Jr. has been out. They've had several injuries on their defense. They're having Max Johnson. He's the quarterback, and it should have been um, – uh, oh, man, another kid. Max Johnson should have been the backup, basically. Okay? So – I get it, man. I, I I get what they're you know where we're going with this thing. Uh, that you know Edward Geron just was. I I just don't think he ever ever was the man for the job. 
I just don't think he was. I think when you're looking at a, a, a program like LSU, you've got to have a guy that, that really knows how to manage the, the entire program. And Eric Orgeron, nothing against him, but he just never, never, even before he got there, never seemed like that type guy to me. So here we are. We'll see what LSU does as far as um, his replacement is concerned. I'm not really sure how they're going to do it. I'm not really sure. A name I think should come up. I don't know if it would work because he's never coached in this region before. Chris Peterson, I think, would be an excellent name if he could uh, line up his, you know, assistance with pe- with coaches that are really uh, well known and well recognized around, you know, the SEC and SEC circles. I think that would be a really good hire if they were able to pull that off. But I don't know if Chris Peterson would want to get him get back into this thing. I don't know if he want to come to the SEC or anything like that. That would be my top choice. Obviously, you're going to hear a lot about uh, Jimbo Fisher. And you look at it, man. <laughs> Texas A and M, yeah, it, it's 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 very attractive. The money is is huge over there. Though. You know, they have all of the assets that you could want to hang in and win a national and win national championships and all of that. LSU to me is still the better job. It's still the better job. So we'll see how that rolls. We'll start. We'll talk more about that as we get closer to the end of the season and. You know, we'll see what LSU is talking about as a replacement. We'll talk about that a little bit further. But really strange stuff going on in the SEC, man. Uh, anyway, and we're going to take a break right now. We're going to get into, uh, on my next uh, segment, we'll get into a little bit more college football, a big announcement in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference that, involves the team right here in the city of Birmingham, the UAB Blazers. We're going to talk about that expansion. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about that, kind of go in depth on that a little bit. And then got to do game balls. We'll do a little HBCU just a little bit, and we'll get you ready for the games on Saturday. And then we'll get into my picks for uh, for the SEC and the NFL when Ball About the South continues. All right, y'all, we're back. Ball about the South, the 
eighth episode continues. And like I said before the break, we come back and talk a little bit more college football. The AAC, the American Athletic Conference, made strides this uh, week, made news this week, rather, as they have uh, decided to go ahead and and replace the three teams that they're going to lose to the Big 12, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. And they have actually doubled down. They're going to add six new schools, Florida Atlantic University, Charlotte, uh, well, University of North Carolina, Charlotte, actually. Uh, They're going big in Texas, Rice University, University of Texas, San Antonio, UTSA, North Texas, and then the UAB Blazers are all moving to the AAC uh, maybe as early as 2023, could be 2024. It's going to depend on uh, basically eh, probably when Oklahoma and Texas actually get into the SEC. It's going to be a little bit of a domino effect. Okay, Uh, they're kind of waiting on exactly when those two schools will be in the SEC and then the Big 12 can kind of go along with what adding – the three teams coming from the AAC and then of course the AAC can go ahead and add the six coming from Conference USA all six teams come from Conference USA so Conference USA is man kind of looking like they could be on life support after this thing is all said and done they're, they're left with eight schools and a, just a horrible TV deal I mean I've been sitting there watching this thing unfold for years here in Birmingham watching UAB and everything is I would have to say it is the worst TV deal of anyone um, probably any of the group of five conferences and this and the thing was Conference USA was a lot like the American is right now they had a you know big TV markets and that's what they apparently are going for again but you you were talking about especially it was it was mostly a basketball league back in the late nineties and and all of that and in the early two thousands you saw the schools like Cincinnati who was obviously a strong program you had Marquette in that league you had Louisville was in that league at that time yeah Memphis was in the league at that time uh, and then of course things kind of switched over Louisville ended up going to the Big East for a little bit and then they ended up of course in the ACC. And, you know, Marquette, of course, is now in the Big East. All of that turnaround has just killed CUSA. And uh, the TV contract back then wasn't bad at all. I mean, there were ESPN games. Their uh, conference tournament, at least the championship game, used to be on main CBS, not the CBS Sports Network on cable. It was on national CBS. So, yeah, it, it's it's been pretty rough. I mean, it's, I think a lot of people kind of forget how strong Conference USA actually was back then. It was a lot like the American is right now. So now the American is on a mode of trying to save themselves, and now they're going with the bigger markets. You see them replacing Houston with Rice. They're going another pretty big market with Texas San Antonio, and Texas San Antonio is a young school, or at least a young athletic program anyway, but they're doing well in Conference USA as, as well as, as far as football is concerned, but it's not about that. I mean, it's about football, but they're snatching up the TV market. Charlotte, another school that's pretty young, you know, especially football-wise. Now, you know, Charlotte has had a basketball program back in the days of the Sun Belt. Um, back in the 80s okay but 
as far as football, Charlotte is very new. Okay, and then, you know, FAU is new. UAB has been around, but they've been stuck in Conference USA because, you know, the Board of Trustees at the University of Alabama does not really did not put a whole lot of trust in them, did not put a whole lot of uh, money behind the program, not a whole lot of support. So they were looked over when Conference USA was gutted then. This time they were not. So we're going to have to see how this conference goes once this thing is said and done. One school that is not happy about this is Memphis. The Memphis Tigers are not happy about it, especially from a basketball standpoint. But I would say it's a standpoint across the board. Football has been stronger in the last few years at Memphis. Basketball, though, is the bell cow still up there in Memphis, Tennessee. That That is just a fact. And now you, you see all of these top draft picks that they have lined up right now. Right now, uh, the AP poll came out. They're 12th in the AP poll. So there are a lot of big-time things are being looked for from, from Memphis. Uh, basically, this is the most um, uh, anticipated Memphis teams that I think we've seen since John Calipari coached there. That's how big it is. And now you hit with the news that, okay, yeah, instead of it being Cincinnati and Houston, who just <laughs> went to the championship game you know, last year against Baylor, instead of going up against them, instead of going up against uh, Kansas now, if you look at going to the Big 12, you know, they're going to miss though. They're going to miss that opportunity at least for right now. Maybe the Big Twelve expands again here in a few years. I don't know when all everything works itself out. Maybe they do. Right now, the Big Twelve stands at twelve teams, something they haven't done in a few years, <laughs> right? So I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I'm not sure the Big Twelve. Well, I put it like this: I'm not as sure as I was maybe a little while back that the Big Twelve was actually going to expand now. Because I think this alliance has really changed. This alliance is changing the landscape even more. You sit there and you look at the Big Ten. They have no. Why would they expand now? There's no reason to. I mean, they, there's no one. I don't. There are really no schools out there that I think would would be a this would be an excellent fit for them anyway, except for Notre Dame, right? But so. Why expand? Why divvy up? Why divide your money up, your revenue up, with more mouths to feed? So the the ACC, the Big Ten, and Pac-12, I I would be shocked if they sit there and talk about expanding. And I think when the Big 12 gets, you know, all is said and done, I think it could be the same thing with the Big 12. Because you look at the Big 12, it's a pretty strong football and basketball conference if you look at it. I don't know if it's necessarily would make it a power six. I, I, I'm not really sure if I could go that far with it, but especially in football. But basketball, yes. And you're talking about the likes of Kansas, Oklahoma State, and then you know adding Cincinnati, adding a school like Houston that just went to a national championship game. It could be considered a power six school in, in basketball. I don't know if you could say that in football yet. So this AAC thing, you know, it's got a lot of parts to it. I'm just happy for UAB uh, right now. 
they they get enough they get to go get back with a rival again, Memphis. At least for now anyway. Uh that was a huge rivalry back in the day, uh basketball wise and football wise. They call it the Battle of the Bones. There's also a rivalry. I don't know if you're listening, you're not from Memphis and you're not from Birmingham. The football game, the trophy was a a, <laughs> a golden or a bronze, whatever, rack of ribs. That was the trophy, okay? Because there's always been this this uh, feud or whatever that Memphis barbecue is better than Birmingham or Alabama barbecue or vice versa. So they came up with the idea <laughs> for the Battle of the Bones, which I think is awesome. I think it's got to be one of the best trophies for a rivalry there is in college football. So now that gets to be played again. Because I mean, I don't understand why Memphis and UAB didn't go ahead and at least try to play non-conference. It made no sense. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know if it's a Memphis thing or not, but I'll tell you, you sit there, you look at the Memphis fans, and, I, and I'm sure it's not every Memphis fan, but dude, man, I, I, I just... <sighs> I get that they're disappointed for being back in this, what they're calling Conference USA 2.0, but come on, man. I mean, Memphis is, is, they have a really good basketball program. What else does Memphis really have that's supposed to be so much better than all of the other schools in the AAC or what that are going to make up the AAC here in a few years? What do they have that's so much better? I mean, I'm not coming down on Memphis, but let's just be real about it. Memphis basketball program, yes. Every other sport, no. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, we'll see how that rolls. I'm, I'm glad for UAB. This is a program that was dead, totally dead just a few years ago. Now they have a brand new stadium downtown Birmingham. I had a, a chance to go to the game against Florida Atlantic the other week. The stadium is really nice. I don't like that they have so many bleachers. I wish they had had more permanent, you know, actual real seats than they actually have. There are some bleachers with chair backs, which which that's good. But man, the the stadium is nice. It really is. I mean, you go you go through the the uh, concourse areas, the air conditioning. I mean, it was like eighty five degrees. I thought that was a good touch, man. I mean, you know, we're talking about an outside stadium. I mean, we didn't have that at Legion Field. <laughs> I don't remember that. At, you know, going to Titans games at, at, at Nissan Stadium. I don't remember that at Turner Field. I've never been to uh, the uh, stadium that the Braves are playing in now, Truest, Truest Field or whatever. But Turner Field didn't have that, okay? So it's a really nice stadium. I mean, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's UAB, I think, deserves to be in a better conference. Anyway, let's move on, man. Um... Let's get into the HBCUs really quickly. The biggest game last weekend, <laughs> and it, it seems like you know, it, it's kind of a broken record, man, or a scratch CD. <laughs> uh, for those of you, I don't know if some of you guys that are listening are old enough to remember records or remember CDs at all, but uh, you get you get a scratch on your CD and it just kind of starts playing the same note all over again, uh, continuously repeating the, the same note, okay? And that's basically what I'm talking about with um, my HBCU report every week. Basically, Jackson State has been the team that's been involved in every big game, it seems like, for the last few weeks. 
And it was the same way this week. 4-1 Jackson State hosting 3-2 Alabama State. We talked about it last week. Alabama State, this, this is not that great an Alabama State team. Okay? They're, at least I didn't think that they were on the level of Jackson State. And actually, they were making me look a little bit like I didn't know what I was talking about there in the first half. Alabama State hung in there, played really well. Jackson State, I think, kind of got off to a slow start. Maybe they were still kind of hung over from that trip to Huntsville where they put uh, 61 on Alabama A&M. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the Tigers were able to get it going in the second half and end up running away 28-7. to Another strong game from Shadur Sanders. That defense, again, we talk about it every week. And, then again, like I said, I'm – that we talk about other teams in the SWAC, Alcorn State. We've talked a lot about them. Obviously, we talked a lot about Alabama A&M. We talked about Arkansas Pine Bluff here and there. Prairie View, which is, you know, who is looking strong on the western side of things. I think Prairie View is going to end up being the representative in the championship game from the west. But, man, it just seems always center back to Jackson State right now. So, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, again, that's just kind of the way it goes right now. It's kind of the way it goes. But, yeah, really uh, good second half from Jackson State as they go to 5-1 and one and really take control of things in the SWAC uh, Eastern Division. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think we're looking at a collision course for Prairie View A&M and Jackson State in the, in the SWAC championship game. That is going to be a really good football game when we get to that. So we'll start off, man. I want to go a little bit different. I, I kind of, you know, I've gone a little bit different on my game balls here and there. Last week I gave it to the entire Jackson State defense because of what they did to Alabama A&M. 15 points to what I thought would be if not the best offense in the SWAC, they would be second. And they and A&M mustered 15 points on that defense last week. Crazy. So, but this week, unfortunately, we're going to stick with Jackson State. But we're not even going to go on actually on the football field. I'm going to go with the Jackson State fans. If you guys saw any of that game, did you see – Veterans Memorial College, uh, Veterans Memorial Stadium, I think that's what they call it there in Jackson. I mean, completely packed. And that's what we want to see in, in HBCU ranks. I, I just, I give them a round of applause, man. I mean, it, it was, yes, it was homecoming. That was a, a great atmosphere. I can't, I can't say they were as loud as, you know, as you like them to be. You know, that's kind of thing that, I don't know. We got to get better at with the HBCUs. But, dude, man, the, the stadium was packed. Alabama State had their uh, – the band was there. The Marching Hornets, the Stingettes, the Honeybees, all of them were there. Um, of course, Sonic Boom of the South, Jackson State's band, always doing it up. Man, it was just a really great atmosphere. I, we, again, that was a home – it was homecoming for Jackson State. Man, it makes me want to sit there and talk, be talking about making that trip down there next 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 year when that goes down. That was that was a good sight. I, so I'm gonna give my game ball to their fans just for showing up. I don't think there was a seat to be had in that stadium, and I know it holds over fifty thousand, maybe sixty thousand, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm gonna give it to them, man. Uh, that was beautiful, and that's what the kind of support the HBCU schools need. And so, yeah. 
So my game ball goes to the Jackson State fans. Absolutely. All right. So um, we're done, done with that. Uh, in the SEC, I'm going to go ahead and give out that game ball. And this is, you know, <sighs> this is extremely easy this time. I mean, this dude ran completely all over the floor of the defense. And I think he's still running. <laughs> okay. Tyrion Davis Price. This dude had himself a game. 36 rushes, 287 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he totally dismantled Florida's defense. Almost 300 yards rushing by himself. I mean, just an incredible game. I mean, he was, I think he was the national player, national offensive player of the year. Obviously, uh, player of the week, I'm sorry. Obviously, he was the offensive player of the week in the SEC. I mean, no one's going to touch that, right? I mean, just, man, just a crazy game by uh, Tyron Davis Price. This dude, the LSU, I mean, we, we've been talking about this LSU team not running the football at all, pretty much all season, all the way back to last season. And we've been talking about this for basically a year and a half, or season and a half, where LSU could not run the ball. And all of a sudden, this dude comes up with 287. <laughs> How crazy is that? That's another reason why Dan Mullen is in trouble. And it's another reason it, you know, kind of makes you wonder if, you know, this team kind of, I don't know, did they quit on uh, Ed Orgeron and just say, okay, well, you know what, now he's, I guess we'll, I guess we'll just go ahead and step up one of these games and they decided it would be Florida. I don't know. Just craziness because you saw that team, that offensive line, opening holes, blocking the way they should have been blocking and opening holes all season long. So, man, this is a great game. Obviously, and, then, of course, maybe it was just the the fact that they committed to the run more. I mean, you look at Max Johnson only being 14 or 24 for 133 yards. So maybe it was more the commitment to the run game that we have not seen uh, in weeks in the past. Crazy. Crazy stuff right there, man. So, yeah, I'm going to give that game ball, obviously, to him. Incredible performance by the LSU Tigers against Florida, the Florida Gators. Uh, let's get into my picks, man. The NFL, we talked about the Titans. We really didn't talk about anyone else too much because, I mean, look, the uh, Falcons, the Saints, all both of them were off last week. The Colts had a huge win against the Texans. I mean, uh, look, it was the Texans, 31-3. to um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is, right? Tampa Bay uh, beat the Philadelphia Eagles last Thursday night, 28-22. Jalen Hurts tried to get that team back in the game, but they got too far behind. The game of, I guess, you know, one of the better games of the day on Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars across the pond in London beat the Miami Dolphins 23-20 on the last second field goal. And again, the Dolphins are not a team, you know, they're not in the AFC South, they're in the AFC East, so I don't talk about them a lot. I haven't had a chance to talk about them a lot, but we need to get into them a lot more simply because of uh, Tua being there on the team and everything, if nothing else for that. They had two touchdowns by Tua to Jalen Waddle. okay? They hooked up twice. Other than that, and, and Tua had a pretty good game, but 
it's still leaving a little bit to be desired. So now we're hearing big time rumblings about what could be a blockbuster trade being in the works. Maybe two are ended up in Washington, WFT. Maybe Deshaun Watson ending up in Miami. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure how that's going to roll, but that obviously would be uh, humongous news in the NFL if that goes down. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, a lot of people are kind of coming down on tour. I'm not going. I'm not ready to do that yet. It's, you know, I don't know if anyone's saying you know coming out and saying he's a bust necessarily, but I think you look at. You know, what he's done so far is it's disappointing for a quarterback that, that was picked in the top five of the draft. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. But then again, you have to sit there and look at the the inabilities of this offensive line <laughs> for Miami. This this is not a good offensive line. So, I don't know, man. I, I think Miami's... For me, uh, for me, I guess if you're gonna get Deshaun Watson, maybe you have to do it, because obviously Deshaun Watson's a more proven commodity. Because then again, he has his legal problems, so that makes things a little bit dicier on that end. But so I guess if you're just looking at it from the standpoint of on the field, I guess in a way, if you don't feel good about Tua, I guess you have to do it. But you're the one that drafted him. Okay, I mean, I, I to me, I think, I think ultimately, I think the Dolphins need to stick it out with Tua. That's just, you know, that's how I feel about it. You drafted him, you got to try to make it work. You can't sit there and give up on this dude. And what, what has it been? Twelve games or so, maybe that he's, you know, started ten, twelve, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, come on, man. You sit there, you, you, you. Uh, you bring him in mid-season last year behind, you know, bring him in to uh, replace Fitzpatrick. Then he plays maybe a couple games. Then you bring Fitzpatrick back in to close out games. Then, you know, then you do you bring him in, you let him play a full game. Then you bring Fitzpatrick back again. I mean, how is he supposed to get any continuity going? And then, of course, the injuries have, have hurt that as well. So I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I don't know what what's going on in Miami. I think that they need to be a little bit more patient than they are being, and we'll see how this thing works out. Crazy. Anyway, man, we're going to get into some picks. We're going to get into some NFL picks over the, for the weekend, SEC picks. I'm going to start in the NFL. <laughs> what, I mean, the, the, the Titans coming off of – that huge victory against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you know, what can you say about that? They get the four and two. They go up two games again on Indianapolis. And what do they get as as a prize in door number one? They get Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and the AFC defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. Crazy. I mean, a crazy schedule so far for the Titans. I mean, just think about it. It's sandwiched around a game against a game that they actually lost against the Jets. They played the Colts. They played the. Uh, they're going to play the Chiefs. They've played the Bills. They've played the Cardinals, who are six and zero. Crazy start to the season for Tennessee Titans, and now 
with the injuries mounting up for this team, uh, not really sure Taylor Lewan's status going into that game. He was uh, maybe in the concussion protocol and all of that for the injury that he suffered um, Monday night. Uh, I don't know, man. And it, obviously the secondary is going through its issues. I, I, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be rough for Tennessee to get back up like that for this game. But then again, I kind of said the same thing against Buffalo. So I don't know. We look at this game. Uh, the Chiefs come in five and a half point favorite. Uh, I, if I was a bid man, I would stay away from that five and a half for me. I th- I, th- I think the Chiefs probably find a way to win this game. I think it's going to be another tight game. Or I think the Titans have found that formula. I don't. I don't think if if Tennessee does lose this game, and I'm obviously I'm wanting them to win it, but if they do lose this game, it's not going to be as alarming because look, I mean that was an emotional, hard fought game on Monday night. I don't care that they're a professional making millions and millions and millions of dollars. I don't care. That is, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough to come back from that, and be tip-top shape with all the injuries that they have to play against a team like the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs have been struggling themselves. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win that football game, but we'll see what happens. Um, the Colts and the 49ers. That is an interesting game. I think you have to say right now the 49ers have been pretty disappointed. Two and three. For most people, I I was not as high on the 49ers as a lot of people are as a lot of people were. I picked them third in the division. So, you know, behind the Rams and the Seahawks, I actually had the Cardinals picked last. So, what do I know? <laughs> what the hell do I know, right? But uh, I'm gonna go with the 49ers. Just for, you know, but I would not be surprised. If the Colts go out there and win that game, that game right now, a four-point favorite uh, are the San Francisco 49ers. But I think you have to like what you're seeing out of Carson Wentz right now. You have to like what uh, I think Jonathan Taylor is. He's looking the part. Paris Campbell had a nice long touchdown pass from Car- uh, Carson Wentz on Sunday. They're getting a lot of those issues ironed out. It would not surprise me at all if the Colts go out there and win that game. Not at all. So uh, I, I'm expecting it to be a really tight game. I think it could go either way, actually. I really do. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, actually, I'm kind of I kind of lean the Colts, actually. I know, uh, you know, I, like I say again, I'm, I'm just not as high on, on the 49ers as a lot of people are. Uh, moving on. Uh the Dolphins and the Falcons, Falcons going into uh, Miami. Who knows what the deal is right now? I'm hearing reports with that Tua thing that he's not on the depth chart. I don't know what to think about that, man. Falcons coming off their bye week against the Dolphins team that's coming back from London. I like the, I like the Falcons. I like the Falcons in this one, and that would get them back to three and three. That could be. Uh, you know, could be huge. I don't think the Falcons are going to make the playoffs. The Falcons actually come into this game a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I kind of like that number. I, I, I like Atlanta in that football game there in Miami. Uh, the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, coming off another loss. They've lost three in a row after they won their first three. 
CMC, Christian McCaffrey, probably going to be a scratch again against what's been a competitive Giants team. Their only win, of course, against the Saints. Uh, Interesting game, to say the least. Uh, I don't know. That could go either way. Carolina looking uh, uh, like a three-point favorite at this time. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the Giants. <laughs> I think Carolina loses fourth in a row. I think a lot going on with the Panthers right right now. Uh, they did uh, have a shot to win that game against Minnesota last weekend. Against uh, They're at home. The game went to overtime. Good drive by uh, Sam Darnold to tie that game up. But Minnesota came down uh got the opening kickoff there in in overtime and and put the game away i think man i I think the panthers are we're seeing them struggle right now even really on the defensive end more than they were the first three weeks of the season i like the giants to kind of pull a small upset in that game uh just move on a couple more bears and uh, buccaneers that goes down on sunday obviously I'm probably going to go with the Buccaneers on that one. I I do think the Bucks are going to lose a couple more games here down the road. I'm not really sure where they're going to happen. But Bucks coming in a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, I don't know about that. I think I would definitely – that the Bears just might be one of my road underdog picks to at least come in under that number when we get close to Sunday. And then uh, the Saints travel to Seattle. Saints 3-2. and two. Four-and-a-half-point favorite at Seattle. Of course, uh, Seahawks still without Russell Wilson. Uh, I like the Saints in that football game. Uh, I like them to come out with the victory. That is going to be uh, the the uh, Sunday night game, which should be interesting. Okay, let's get into a little bit of SEC. We're going to get into those picks, and we'll close out the show. A little bit shorter show than we've been having. A little bit shorter. Still maybe a little bit too long. We'll look at uh, LSU at Missy, at Ole Miss. The Rebels come in a nine-point favorite. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to go with Ole Miss that game being, being in Oxford. But I tell you what, we all know LSU probably up and down the board has better players than Ole Miss. So if they get an effort like they did against Florida last week, all bets off. Okay? I mean, I don't think they can stop Ole Miss defensively, but I don't know if Ole Miss can stop LSU if they're going to run the ball like that. So we'll see about that. I, I'm, I'm going to pick Ole Miss, but it would not shock me at all <laughs> if the LSU Tigers get their second straight victory. Uh, then you look at the Alabama game, Alabama and Tennessee. Obviously, you know, Alabama 25-point favorite. I'm going to have to go with them. But, uh, again, if, if Hendon Hooker is able to play, we not be surprised if that game is a little bit closer than some people might think. I still do think Alabama will find a way to win it. Uh, you're looking at the SWAT games of this weekend. Uh, the two teams on bye week this week are going to make up the Magic City Classic, one of the best HBCU classics, maybe the best, uh, next week right here in Birmingham. That is going to be crazy. It's going to be crunk. It's, it's going to be something to see. I'm sure we you know, there's entertainment and all of that all week long. And uh, cannot wait for all of that to go down next week. But those two teams are off. We look at 
Arkansas Pine Bluff is visiting Arkansas. Obviously, you'd have to like the Razorbacks in that game. Bethune-Cookman 0-7 at Jackson State. Jackson State finally not in one of the bigger games in the SWAC. There's no way the Tigers are going to lose that game, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would definitely think Jackson State will come out on top. Prairie View and Southern, for me, is probably the big game of the weekend. Prairie View 5-1 and one against Southern, 3-3. Three and three. That game there in Baton Rouge. We'll see if Southern can get back. If That would be a huge victory for them if they can uh, pull that one off. I still I would have to go Prairie View A&M right now in that game. Florida A&M, Mississippi Valley State, and Alcorn State, Texas Southern are the other two games in the SWAC. Um, so, yeah, the big game for me, Prairie View visiting Southern. We'll talk about that game a good bit when we get back here next week on Ball About the South. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up with that. I hope you've enjoyed the eighth episode of Ball About the South podcast with C. Wood. Again, uh, whatever platform you're listening to me on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, uh, TuneIn, doesn't matter what it is, man. Uh, If you can, uh, hit me with a like or a comment. Let me know what you think about it, uh, what you think about the podcast, what you think I should change about it, you know, and, uh, man, yeah, if if there's some things you don't like, let me know about it. I want to hear about it because I want to make this podcast the best it possibly can be, and I just really appreciate you guys stepping in or stopping in and checking me out on a weekly basis, and it's going to actually been twice this week. We did our NBA preview. If, if, if you've not checked that out, I mean, hey, even though the NBA season started, that doesn't mean you can't listen to the, my NBA preview. At any rate, my name is Kerry Wood, at C. Wood on Sports, on Twitter and IG. Come follow me. Let's chop up some sports, man. And until next time, peace out.